Welcome to Wild Quincy, a podcast that looks into the little-known and forgotten past of Quincy, Illinois. Some may call it the Starlight Terrace, some may call it Highland Park, but most people just know it as the Casino. In this episode, we dive into the wild history of one of the most fascinating buildings in the Quincy area. That coming up next... Here's your host, Chris Ketters and Travis Hoffman. Back here for season five of your favorite new podcast, Wild Quincy, Chris Ketters and Travis Hoffman with you. Travis, welcome back after hiatus. How are you doing, buddy? Five times the fun. We're like that kid who's gone to summer camp and he just learned to ride his bicycle before he went to summer camp. And now he's got to get on that bike again and see if he knows how to ride it. So. We're missing the training wheels. Are we going to be okay, Chris? We're veering towards the mailbox. Where are we at? I don't know. You know, it's funny because I just had this thought it, because we, we record these and so we were doing it. I was running just a test just a second ago and it was so funny because it's like, all right, just testing the audio out, make sure it's all good. And then like, as soon as we hit record, I went into radio voice like instantly. Oh, yeah. oh, I just yeah. went, holy cow. No, no messing around. It's engraved in your DNA. Yes, it now, is. I, I mean, yeah. I wasn't even trying. I was like, holy cow, I got my radio voice. Uh, anyway, so yes. Uh, welcome back, guys, to uh, season five. We got a great season coming up. Oh, we have all the originals. Plus, we're bringing back the people episodes this season. Uh, so we got a lot lined up. And yeah, we, we've missed you all. Welcome back. Hope you yeah. enjoyed the wild files. But it's time to get down to business now. That's right. Back to the meat and potatoes and a little gravy on the side. Hold the meat or hold the potatoes, baby. We're bringing all the meat right now. <laughs> Uh, before we get kicked off, uh, we've had, uh, of course, we got our Patreon. Uh, you can always join in. 56 episodes now sitting on Patreon that you can go check out. Uh, Patreon.com slash WildQuincy. But I believe we got a new Patreon member in the offseason. Stephanie uh, B. joined us at the $5 Medium Jeff special level. Stephanie. And hey, I want to put a, a word out. If if we have missed you, there might have been a couple of people that joined over the break. Um, our records aren't sh- super clear, so if we did not give you a shout out, please email us and let us know. We will happily do so. But we appreciate Stephanie and everyone else who's been checking it out. A lot of freebies kind of clinging on here, doing the free trial thing. If you have been thinking maybe you want to check out the Waters of Patreon, the free trial is a great opportunity to kind of see what's out there, access to everything for a little while, and hopefully that'll entice you to join the. The, the the field of wild things and run run with the big dogs over there. Yeah, so check that out. So again, patreon.com slash wildquincy is going to get you where you need to go with that. Uh, so be uh, checking that out. Uh, we did uh, our next episode. I can already tell you our next Patreon episode. We'll, we'll recap this stuff uh, that we missed, that we couldn't talk about, we ran out of time with. And also we'll tell you about our adventures at uh, none other than Asylum Spring State Park because we did some adventuring uh, over the weekend, so uh, we'll tell you about that coming up on our Patreon. So you don't want to miss that. Go Momo searching. No, no I guess it's yeah, Bigfoot let's not get crazy. We'll, we'll go Sasquatch, yeah. Bigfoot. The see if the legends <laughs> might be real. What did we find? What did we hear? We'll have to wait and see. That free trail staring you in the eye. If you're curious, it's squatching, bro. That's the <laughs> squatching, bro. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, hey, we got to get back into the swing of things, and how better to get into the swing of things than resetting the uh, the little counter, erasing the marks off the uh, chalkboard, and giving Travis a new slate. Hey, did you ever get your name the on the chalkboard the in, in grade school, Chris? 
Oh, I think it happened a couple times. I was usually a pretty good kid, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, all right. Clean yeah. slate. That's it for everybody. Clean slate yeah. question of the day. That's right. I haven't prepared as usual, so we'll see what happens. I'm coming in cold. I'm ice cold. It's been a while. What do you got, Chris? All right. Let's get the let's get the temperature warmed up a little bit. Here is your question of the day. In 1839, the mayor of Quincy sworn in the first person ever to be in charge of the police department. What was their title? Oh, boy. Let me give you three options. Oh, we got options. That's good. Yes. Was it chief, commissioner, or constable? Okay. Okay. So that's your option. Again, in 1839, the mayor of Quincy sworn in the first ever person to be in charge of the police department. What was their title? Was it chief, commissioner, or constable? Okay. You're you're scratching the head already. You got your thinking. It's going to be a tough one. I don't have high hopes, but we'll see what happens. Stick around, everybody. Uh, We'll see. Yeah, we'll have that at the end of this episode, but uh, we're going to kick the season off with talking about something that uh, Travis and I are familiar with growing up. I'm sure you are as well, if you've been living in Quincy the last 100 and, I don't Since know, 30 years. Since at least 1870, years. if you've been in Quincy, <laughs> exactly. you've been experienced to it, probably. Yeah, we'll talk about none other than the Casino Starlight, and that's coming up next here on Wild Quincy. <laughs> Here's what you missed on the latest After Hours episode of Wild Quincy. Sounds like there's some activity going yeah, on. Yeah, I've uh, a, fr- yeah. a former friend of the show. I won't name any names here, but there's allegedly been some activity in in Siloam Springs wow. in the last couple months, and I don't have a lot of details yet on what that means. But boy, I, I'm keen to figure it out. That's for sure. You mentioned it, and I think, and we will tell people now. It's the game plan right now. I put it on my calendar, and you told me to put it as this, so I put it as it's called Sasquatch and Dog. That's what we're doing uh, <laughs> coming work. up next Friday. Our after hours episodes are available exclusively for Patreon members by going to Patreon.com/WildQuincy. For just a couple dollars a month, not only will you double the amount of Wild Quincy episodes at your fingertips, but you'll also be supporting our efforts as we continue to dive into the wild and crazy history of our favorite town. Also, as a Patreon member, you can take part in our live events and Patreon-only outings, as well as having access to our regular episodes two days before they are released to the public. It's easy. Just head to patreon.com slash wildquincy. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash wildquincy and become a wild thing today. So, Travis, it's time to uh, get season five off in the right foot, and that's by deep diving into the Casino Starlight. I took the kind of the lead on this. I, I think you had some some sprinkles that you're going to be throwing in as we go along. But, uh, boy, you know what turned into just talking about a little building that we grew up knowing uh, it has turned into quite the rabbit hole of information. I don't know if you had the same results as I did or not. Yeah, I'd, I'd often heard a lot about the the glory days and like the 40s and the big bands and everything. But boy, what a rich history that whole area has going back all the way to like 1871 when it was Highland Park. That whole complex was much bigger and called Highland Park way back in the day. So yeah, it's really interesting to see how the early Quincy kind of shaped that. And um, yeah, let's get into it, man. 
Yeah. So what we're going to do is, again, uh, there's a lot of information here. Uh, there's probably actually a lot more out there. But from just our research, I was able to track down what we have here. Again, if you have some additional information, maybe you remember being there back in the day or or you remember being there when some one big, big band yeah. or orchestra or something was there. Let us know in the comments. Uh, give us a give us a shout out. We'll give you the details at the end of this episode, how you can reach out to us and uh, pass along some information. We'll uh, pass it along in the next episode. So, yeah, without further ado, let's dig into it you said 1871 travis i actually can go back a little bit farther what you got let's start where you at Let's start 1835. Oh, 1835. Okay. Yeah. So uh, this Larry that we're talking about uh, was actually known as originally Moore's Mound. It was named after a guy named Francis C. Moore. In 1835, Moore built a home where the old water reservoir, so in today's world, the old water reservoir, 20th and Chestnut, mm-hmm. uh, he built his home at that location. Uh, and then in 1871, Moore sold his 80 acres of ground to a name that uh, has been sprinkled around here lately uh, in the wild Quincy area, and that's Lorenzo Bull. Lorenzo and Charles Bull, yeah, the the, the Bull brothers, uh, famous early Quincy bankers, actually, yeah. They were helped with another name that we've seen quite a lot of, and that's Orville Hickman Brown, uh, who I believe was an elected official as well later on in life. I think it was Orville Hickman Browning, right? Yes, Browning, sorry, yeah. Correct. Um, so they made up a group called uh, the Quincy Horse Railway. Uh, they were the ones that purchased uh, part of the track. And uh, so out of the 80 acres, it was a 12-acre track that would become known as what we're going to be talking about to start with, and that's Highland Park. I c- grabbed this out of a website. I know it's from a um, an excerpt out of a, a newspaper article, but I want to read it because I thought it was kind of uh, kind of gives you a nice overview of what we're talking about here. It says a natural grove of about 12 acres lying between 18th and 20th and cherry and spruce streets. Uh, hitherto almost entirely unknown to the citizens of Quincy for want of access to it by way of any open and traveled street will be reserved from sale. It will be suitable arranged for amusement and recreation and kept under such regulations as maintain quiet and good order, making it the most desirable resort for individuals and families. This park will soon be accessible by way of 18th street and 20th street. And the public is invited to examine and become acquainted with its attractions. It's hard to, so, hard to envision. Vision that part of Quincy where the casino is is like the boonies, you know, and and back yeah. then it was really kind of out there, beyond the edge of town. Um, pretty wild to see the growth over the years. Well, Lorenzo was actually quoted in the paper, and he also said this in 1871. He says, "No, there's no that no more attractive and desirable place for residents can ever be offered in the vicinity of Quincy, as the ground is absolutely the highest, the most beautiful, and commanding view in the most superbious atmosphere." Ooh, that's a word you don't see very often anymore. Ooh, that's pretty. That's a five dollar yeah. word, I think. That's yeah. I mean, you might be you might be getting a. bill out for that one. Uh, But uh, so one of the things I found kind of interesting, I don't have a lot of details on this, but one of the things that these guys were trying to do was they were trying to compete with another park that was on the other side of town. And that was Baldwin Park, I believe was the name of that. Uh, It's where the fairgrounds was at. It was right where obviously most of you guys know where Baldwin's at, where the gymnasium's at for the Blue Double Gymnasium. That's where that park was at back then. So they were trying to compete with them. Old Tom Baldwin himself, was that that was his baby. His his home was right there on the corner. Corner, I think <laughs> it's like you know what I'm gonna make a park here and it was yeah that was big time man they had all kinds of activities out there 
So uh, the other part about this, and, and obviously this town's a, a large German town, even back in the 1870s. So back in the 1870s, there was lots of beer gardens. And so uh, just another article here, I'll read you real quick. It says, so when the streetcar company made its announcement, which was the one we just talked about, the, uh, uh, what I call it, the uh, uh, Quincy Horse Railway, uh, when they made the announcement that they were extending the tracks to 20th and Cedar and Highland Park was to be open, it became popular almost at once in the first place it was not conducted along in the same lines as old beer gardens where there was strict disciplines observed uh, and enforced while beer was served and possibly light wines uh, it was for sale so what they were saying was that um, there there wasn't going to be like these beer gardens in town it was going to be more of a fat family atmosphere yeah. it was going to be for sunday school picnics and things like that where there's going to be quote a high morale plane <laughs> yeah being taken totally. in highway or highland park doesn't that sound nice chris like a nice sunday afternoon yeah. like Hadn't getting on the the streetcar, the horse railway there, jumping out to that area. And to think of it as being just this lush kind of tree alcove is so hard to imagine today. But uh, no, I would love to go back in that time machine and check that out firsthand. That'd be a good time. So we go to 1872, just a year later, and I came across this Quincy Whig article from May 18th, and I thought it was kind of interesting, so I'll read you a little bit of it here. The headline of it says, where is Highland Park? Question mark. Uh, perhaps not a dozen people in Quincy can answer this question correctly. Most of those who have gone out to are gone out on the Highland line of horse railway to visit it have gone to an extreme end of the road and have supposed that the name had been given to the ground immediately surrounding the late residence of, uh, M, uh, excuse me, Mr. Moore and hereto known as mound as the mound, but this is not Highland park, not very near it, nor very near it. If you wish to go to Highland Park, do not go to the end of the horse railway, but stop at the corner of 20th and Cherry. And it uh, has a bunch of information here, and it tells you about how to get there. From this point, it's an excellent planking walk or a plank walk to that has been laid out uh, to the entrance of the park. And uh, from here, as we mentioned, the most beautiful natural grove of the forest trees can be found anywhere in the vicinity of Quincy. And it says, finally here, the proprietors have for some time in the past been engaged in putting the grounds in excellent order for a of visitors removing rubbish tree trimming trees and putting up scats and, and a bunch of other stuff for kids as well as swings so uh yeah it's uh it, there was some questions about like where the heck is this highland park gonna be at so that was being uh, explored in the newspaper uh back on may 18th so ironically it was just a few days later where you really started getting a lot of information about what is happening because uh, on May 23rd, there was an article saying the grand opening of Highland Park was going to be happening. And, and I don't know, Travis, maybe you can help me out with this, but it seemed like in the very early days and in, in the very beginning of Highland Park, boy, the uh, unions were heavily involved uh, with with activities that were going on there. Did you come across anything like that? Not specifically, but I mean, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, I can't imagine a time where the unions were I mean, I don't know. I don't have a lot of context on unions today versus unions then, but I mean, it was probably pretty early on. And uh, yeah, I think there was probably a sense of camaraderie with it being probably relatively new. I don't really know the history of unions, to be honest with you. Yeah. Definitely kind of a tribe that you were part of, it seems like. So the ladies of the UED, which I'm pretty sure is a union. I think we kind of get into it in a little bit here. Uh, They were going to be in charge of... uh, inaugurating the opening of Highland Park. Uh, they were going to have some entertainment for the kids and uh, do some things like that. And it also says in here, this is a May 23rd article, that uh, it says here 
that for uh, amusements for young and old during the day and then in the evening, the pleasures will conclude with a dance at the park house, which on May 23rd, it says now in the process of erection, uh, two bowling alleys, 15 or 20 swings and any quantity of croquet sets. Boy, are we missing out croquet sets. Yeah, when's um, the last time you played croquet, Chris? 25 years ago, maybe. <laughs> That's about for me too, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So these ladies were going to take it. Now, then on May 31st, just a few days later, was the official grand opening of Highland Park. Uh, that was construction of the house was completed on May 31st. They were going to have programs and amusements and all the things we mentioned before. Uh, they were going to have a dance as well. So this is kind of the new shindig for the Quincy area. It's the brand new shiny event. And, and it started on May 3rd, 31st of 1872 travis this is the equivalent of uh of like target opening back in the day chris i mean <laughs> yes this is really <laughs> this is like everybody's been you know maybe they're not waiting for it but the word is out there's this cool new place and boy you could think thomas baldwin was pissed i bet he was so pissed <laughs> when this know. opened up wasn't he worried about flying at this point in time? I mean, it was I don't know. It'd be, it'd be interesting. Or, sorry, eighteen. Actually, it was eighteen seventies still. So it probably no, wasn't. He important. wasn't even yeah. uh, playing with his dirigible type yet. Remember? No, not yeah, yet. That was nineteen hundred. Crazy. Yeah, eighteen yeah, nineties is when that those mystery airships yeah. happened. So he was still, uh, I don't know, ballooning. I guess doing the ascensions and jumping off. But uh, yeah, it's it's hard hard to imagine that kind of world. But uh, eh, there's some similarities, I think, to modern day. Well, it was a few days later, unfortunately, with all these crowds heading out to Highland Park that you had your first injury that occurred oh, no. and on June 2nd. Unfortunately, a boy fell out of a swing at Highland Park. It was thrown some 20 or 30 feet. What kind of swing Good is this? Lord. Yeah, though badly hurt, his injuries were not considered dangerous. Listen, well, can happened. we break this down a minute? 20 or 30 feet? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, when you're trying to get that, you're always in, you're on the playground and in school, and you're always like, I'm going to make a try and do loop. the loop. Yeah, the yeah. Loop. I think he might have been kind of successful in getting pretty high in that. So, good God, yeah. Chris. I mean, how, how tall do you think a regular swing set is? Yeah, I know feet? that's. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, probably. But this is probably like a forty foot swing set. I'm gonna assume. There's so. no safety. <laughs> Back three in the story. Stand. Yeah, three kids story were tall. on their own. Man, they were shooting kids out of cannons for fun. It was a wild time. <laughs> it's true. Great time to it's be all, alive. <laughs> it's a different time. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. Kids a hundred years from now are gonna be like, man, those guys driving cars. What were they thinking? Yeah, um, anyway, uh, so we can move on to June 25th. A couple other little interesting tidbits here before we make a big jump in the timeline. Uh, I mentioned the, the unions and things like that. So, well, on June 25th, there was going to be a, a line of march, which from what I'm gathering is a parade. Um, this was a line of march of the trade unions and other mechanics that are going to participate in a picnic at Highland Park. What they were going to do is they were going to form at six streets at eight o'clock in the morning. And then they were going to work their way up and towards Highland Park as in like a parade. And there was going to be uh, the machinist molders union, the bricklayers union, the stove molders union, and the cigar, cigar makers union that were all going to be taking part in this union parade that was going to end up like i said at highland park which was kind of cool so and then they're gonna have some festivities out there as well so there you go all the unions are like getting together for their party time uh there in uh in their march party time indeed where where are you (laughs) jumping to in your timeline because i might have a couple things to fill in yeah i'm I'm heading to the 1900s so what else you got let me me pop in here there's a few little events that popped up specifically one was in 1884 and I, i found this very interesting 
Um, it's just August 3rd, 1884. I'd forgive me for not writing down the name of the newspaper right in front of me. But you know, there, was a, there was a lake in Highland Park, Chris, and it was the scene for Captain, and I don't know if Captain was in parentheses or in quotations or not, because it's a little curious. Captain Paul Boyton. He was a character who seemed to display some sort of miniature versions of military naval ship vessels. Ooh, and cool. he, uh, they picked this uh, this lake, uh, but apparently it was a little more welcoming of a place to do it than the river, probably with the current. And he displayed a variety of distress signals, ocean lights, daylight fireworks, and my favorite part is he demonstrated a torpedo uh, that was used in naval warfare, demonstrating a torpedo by blowing up a miniature full-rigged ship which raised a column of water fully 50 feet in the air, leaving nothing but toothpick-sized shrapnel of the destroyed That's awesome. Ship. So, I mean, awesome. you think the kid in the swing had it rough. I mean, <laughs> hope nobody boat. was out there playing on the dinghy. Um, yeah. Geez. Can you imagine 50 feet of water in the air? This torpedo blew that's up cool. this ship. Now, that, I'd pay a little money to see that, Chris. I would too, man, definitely. That's worth, that's, that's worth that's the really price neat. of admission right there. Yeah. Uh, anything else for for your time period besides that one? Uh, jumping through here in uh, 1906, there was uh, no, I got no, I got stuff on that. Oh, yeah. So yeah, let me we're get there. to that one. So we're there. yeah, uh, yeah, we're at that time. I do want to point out real quick though before we get started, I thought this was interesting because when I really got to looking, I was like, I need to look at a map yeah, of too. Quincy. Yeah. And so I started looking, and if you look, uh, Cherry to Spruce is about four blocks wide, and then there was 18th to 20th was where Highland Park was at. So obviously two. Uh, two blocks long. So this was a quite a large area. What I did find interesting, Travis, is that as far as I can tell, where QU Stadium's at and uh, the uh, the Rocks at, that was not part of Highland Park, from my understanding. I don't think it was, Chris. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's funny too, if you're familiar with Quincy, uh, there's a road, there's actually three roads that are, have the word Highland in it. There's Highland Drive. Nice subdivision right there. By and, the and then South yeah. Highland Drive as well. Yeah. Right behind Casino Lanes. Mm-hmm. So some of the houses that are there were, are, were at the location where this Highland Park was back in the 1800s. So kind of need to take a look. So if you get a chance, yeah, go I'd, jump on I'd Google. I'd be curious when those houses were built. I have a feeling that might've been pretty, pretty sparse and those were put in after the fact, but, but I don't know. I'd be curious to, to know yeah. anybody who lives in that, on those Highland, uh, Highland streets right there. Um, if you know kind of the history of your houses, what, uh, what year of construction and everything, I'd like to fill in some blanks for us. I think I had an aunt that lived in that. Did so. you know? On Highland Street. Yep. Yep. I remember that. Highland Drive. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because I was like, oh my gosh, there's casino uh, lanes right there. Well, it's a turn, uh, turn of the century. 1900s are here. What do we got here? Yeah. So uh, for me, and I think we're probably on the same page, this is where uh, things kind of get changed over. So in yeah. 1906, in November, uh, it was announced that uh, there was going to be plans drawn up for a stone pavilion. As I mentioned earlier, uh, it was a wooden pavilion that they had. And so what happened is, is that uh, they decided it was time to do an upgrade. And so they went from the old wooden pavilion to a stone pavilion. Man, I should have done my uh, my inflation cost calculator, but it was going to cost about $10,000 to make the stone pavilion in 1906. Uh, the building was going to be 75 feet by 175 feet. It was going to be two stories with truss roof and uh, built along the same uh, stone that the Blickhouse File Works building was constructed of, which that name's interesting because that name also ends up having to do, and I don't know if it's before or after the fact, but they end up having a lot to do with um, the 
the building itself later on. Um, but uh, I believe, and I may be mistaken on that, but I'm, I'm thinking that he actually ends up owning the building at some point in time. I may be mistaken on that. There was quite a few, yeah, quite a few exchanges, yeah. so it could have been... Yeah, so with this, it was going to have a, a construction of a bowling alley, pool rooms, dance hall, roller skating rink, and a 13,000 square feet of floor space that would accommodate 3,000 people. The foundation was to be laid on February 6th of 1907, and the building was to be ready for the opening season of 1907. Uh, there was going to be some smaller stands as well for concession stands around the grounds as well. Uh, so yeah, that's that's that was the big thing in 1907 was, was finally getting that upgrade from what we thought... And, and I was mistaken, you know, that that block has that WPA look all over it. You know, it looks like something right. that was built in the 1930s for a WPA project. But no, it's nope. well below before that with the limestone yeah. uh, through the area in 1906. Did you have anything else on that, Travis? No, man, you're right on the money. Yeah. So uh, I know that you're going to enjoy this, though, because just two years later, we added right. some other things. And that being none other than a zoo. So Quincy has its first zoo, and boy, man, the story's coming out oh, of this thing. wait, wait, wait. It's going to be wild. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so so what I got from here is in 19, by 1909, uh, the zoo had 29 animals. It included a possum with 11 young ones at that time, <laughs> a bear, five young foxes, a raccoon, and a pair of wolves. Uh, there was a groundhog that was also <laughs> a very... They're like not exotic animals to this area. Chris is just like... <laughs> Well, I mean, the, I mean, the wolves, I guess, would be yeah, kind of exotic, that'd be exotic. But, but just, yeah, I mean, it's like you might as well have some squirrels in there. I mean, it's yeah, just, right. It's, yeah, I mean, this is eighteen or nineteen oh eight zoos time. I mean, but anyway, so they unfortunately had a groundhog that passed away. It did not do well in captivity, and it passed away in the winter of nineteen oh eight and nineteen oh nine. Poor guy never saw a shadow. Oh yeah, there was a there was a joke in one of the newspapers about that, and I thought that was hilarious. Great minds, uh, great minds. It, think alike, Chris. In 1909, the article there was an article about the zoo. The management had hoped to add several monkeys and a pair of deer before the end of summer. Evidently, by 1912, the monkeys happened. Did they really? Uh, I didn't see the monkeys. Oh, so you oh. don't know about this story. I don't know okay. about them. There's more with monkeys. See, I already thought we had a good roster with what we did have. No, no. So, yes, uh, there's two articles. I will well, we'll wait till Patreon. Let's wait till we get... Okay, we'll wait till we No, get no. Well, I'm going to tell you one of them, okay. and then I'm going to tell you the other one on Patreon, oh, because it's kind of along the same oh, lines. Uh, but uh, this, I titled this section "Monkeys Gone Wild." Did it? Did it? Can I guess? If I can sure. I guess, did it involve poo flinging? No, I don't think so. Oh, I don't think so. That would have been, yeah, I, I would have loved so. to hear how they described getting poo flung at somebody in the newspaper of 1909. Yeah, that would be interesting. The uh, foul the beast. <laughs> Hurled his excrement. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the title of this story actually is "Monkey Was on Rampage." Oh God! It's from July 11th of 1912, and the story goes like this: The Highland Park Zoo came near losing one of its youngest members a few days ago when Jerry, the largest of the monkeys, scalped Babe, the smallest of the monkey family. Oh, sweet Jesus! Jerry is not possessed of of a very happy disposition, and during the recent hot weather, has been ugly and mean, bullying and abusing the other monkeys and jumping at spectators when they approach too close to the cage. Did you say Evident scalp? Yeah, I guess oh, so. God. Christ. 
evidently looking for trouble, Jerry squealed at Babe and, when the opportunity offered, made a dive for the other, grabbing him by the hair tough, ornamenting the crown of his small head. Jerry and the Babe separated by the wire screen and through one of the holes in the screen, Jerry tried to pull Babe with the results of Babe losing part of his scalp. It was thought for a day or two that the little fellow was done for, but he is now feeling better and today was recovering seemed recovery seemed assured and then it says here wednesday night during this concert a lady got close to the cage and jerry took a heave at her retiring with a wad of her hair in his hand (laughs) it was false hair however so (laughs) the owner suffered no physical pain (laughs) though the management uh says here though she was badly frightened the park management asked the patrons not to approach the monkey's cage nearer than closer than three feet uh during the hot weather because jerry was likely to go on a rampage more most any time boy (laughs) there you go boy that's that's something chris i'm curious if you have any interesting stories on 19 in 1909 regarding the zoo because i have a couple here I do. We're going to get to it. Okay, yeah. Fantastic. So, um, but I, I wanted to get to that monkey thing because in 1909 <sighs> article, it says they wanted to add monkeys and then they did. So, yeah. um, they probably were so second I, guessing that one after the incident. Yeah. <laughs> There's another story that goes along the same lines of, uh, and I think that at one point in time, one of the mother monkey ends up biting the, uh, one of the other monkeys in the butt and, mm causing blood and it's a whole ordeal so they did have monkeys at uh the zoo in in uh at highland park but uh, travis i don't know if you're going to go to the deer incident but um do you have something else besides that? yes i do okay um yeah night uh august 11th 1909 chris this uh technically it probably was august 10th if it was written on august 11th but it was an exciting day at highland park we talked earlier about the uh the uh, cavalcade of a- animals, I don't think I used that word right, the, all the different animals of the zoo, one of which included a brown bear named Pedro. Hmm. So <laughs> Pedro the brown bear in the Highland Park Zoo, is he's able to climb out of its enclosure, Chris. So here you have a bear who just oh, climbed no. out of his enclosure. Uh, I believe it was a very busy day with lots of children. Uh, poised to create quite a scene of, of the park full of kids, a man named Jack Brokamp acted without much concern for himself, grabbing the bear around the neck and in a half Nelson maneuver was able to throw the animal back into its pit. (laughs) This Jack, I mean, literally Jack grabbed this bear and proceeded to do a wrestling maneuver, a half (laughs) <laughs> he did a half Nelson, <laughs> threw the bear back into the pit. Pedro the bear gave a woof of amazement upon landing <laughs> back in his enclosure. <laughs> no lives were lost, not even injuries. The only victim being Jack's clothes that were a little dusty after the run-in. Jeez. Hey, um, yeah, another quick incident that happened, I think, on the well, same day. I mean, look, yeah, can we talk about yeah, how... please do. I mean, this is this is the bear man. Like, this is this dude knows how to deal with bears. I want If I'm in the woods, this is the guy I want in the woods with me. Who, who goes at a bear? I mean, this, they don't make them like that anymore, Chris. No, they don't. Jack, I mean, where's where's this guy's statue, Chris? Yeah, right. I, I want a statue at the casino of Jack Brokamp. <laughs> Yes. Chucking a brown bear into an enclosed like what's a ha- do you know what what's a half Nelson when you grab it around the waist? 
Uh, I don't know. Um, Wrestling people, help me out here. I know there's a few. What's the uh, Real Men of Honor? Like the, oh you know, like God. the old commercials. Oh, Real Men of Freedom? The Bud Light <laughs> yeah, thing? Whatever yeah. it was, yeah. This man um, wrestled a bear. Wrestled yeah. a bear, not even a scratch, threw him in. And how unsafe is this zoo, Chris? The bear literally climbed out of its I enclosure. Know. I yeah. mean, it's a damn good thing those monkeys didn't get out. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> They're going to be ripping some faces <laughs> off of people. Little Johnny's wow. not going to be able to smile anymore, Chris. Exactly. It's a bad wow, day at the zoo. I, I like the statue idea. Okay. Let's, let's okay. move forward with okay, that. So All right. Same day or same couple of days. Okay. Uh, there, was a, there was a character, a lady named Millie Russell. And this was some sort of a daredevil act. That was There was a, quite a few of these things that happened at Highland Park. Mm. And she ran into some technical difficulties while performing a sort of a daredevil stunt. This was called, I had to do a looking into this, it's called Slide for Life. Have you ever heard this use, Slide for Life? Uh, I don't think so. I don't, it, basically what this was from everything I could find is it's kind of like a zip line, basically. And uh, I don't know how she was... Uh, Holding on to the zip line, there were at the same time period people that had that this one woman in in New York went across these two buildings holding on to the zip line with a mouthpiece and nothing else. Whoa. And so I don't know if our our girl Millie was doing that here, but essentially it was a some kind of zip line style act. And I guess there were some issues with one of the support cables, and things could have got pretty dicey. But I guess she managed to uh, make it all right, and everybody was pretty impressed with the stunt. So, hmm. so it was almost a really bad day in August 11, nineteen oh nine, at the at the Highland Park. Luckily, fate was smiling upon uh, that part of Quincy that day, Chris. Avoided well, a couple and- tragedies. And that brings us up to the point again. It's so far that it's been pretty fortunate. There has been incidents, but no deaths. Well, unfortunately, that trend does not keep with uh, the next one. Out here. of all we, the animals, what at the zoo? Yeah. This is what surprises me, Chris. You, yeah, I mean, you you got bears, you got wolves, you got monkeys. Scary, that are scary monkeys throwing stuff around. Um, you know, all this stuff, but yet it is a deer. Uh, that ends up costing the life of a person. So the story we got, I, I don't know, Travis, you ever found a date uh, for this? I looked and looked, and I even looked for the guy's name, and I could oh, not find I can, a date. I can add a little to the story, Chris. Um, yeah, do you want me to give you what I got first, or you, uh, you want me to fill in blanks to what you got? Fill in my blanks. Let me get you what I got yeah. here. So so what happened is, this is a new story coming out. Some I don't know the date, but I'll tell you what I got here. So it says on uh, Sad Tragedy, uh, what happened was was a, a guy by the name, he's a groundskeeper. His name was William Michaels, yeah. who was killed by a young deer. Um, so to tell you what the story was, uh, this kind of long story short, um, uh, they were given a deer that uh, this came from this guy, and uh, the deer was in the zoo. He's going to be young deer one day the deer came frightened when michaels attempted to drive it into its cage and instead of uh, just running away it turned towards michael and michaels and gored him to death um and uh yeah so that that's the story i got yeah, uh, do no, you have anything I, else you can I add think to that you pretty much have what i have verbatim yeah I yeah mean, boy what at what age do deers have their horns pretty young i Is think it? It, i mean I think it's two or three years. Okay, the, I was yeah, trying to figure that out because I said young deer, and I just think like mm-hmm. Bambi, you know. And the- but you know, it, I mean, those are sharp points. Like yeah. a deer has very sharp points on their antlers. So, yeah, 
That's unfortunate. But yeah, unfortunately, like I said, I did a deep dive into William Michaels. I did Could too. not find I a story. Too. Couldn't Nothing. find an obituary. Couldn't find anything uh, besides. And this is actually, we're getting this from Carl Landrum. Yeah, kudos which, to Landrum, Carl oh Landrum for all the great work, but especially yeah. we leaned heavily on his articles um, yeah. for uh, yeah Highland Park area. Yeah. Yeah, and so that's where this information is coming from. Unfortunately, I could not find any collaborating information. I did find one random 1980s article that mentioned the guy that died and had something to do with the with family member, somebody else, but it was somewhere else or something. But it was like very he was vague. A, he was an older gentleman, I think. So that yeah. I mean, it seems like the cards were kind of stacked against him. He didn't have much of a chance. It seems like. Yeah. So as far as we know, though, this has been the only known death. Right. At Highland Park or in the future of this uh, property, um, but it's unfortunately it had to be a deer. So uh, you had crazy if wild I, monkeys. If you're a and, betting man. You were going to get that one wrong with the bear and the monkeys. yeah, right? You would think, oh, it's got to be the bear, right? You no, know he was uh, in this false sense of security. Yeah. He was probably had a easy go at putting the bear away, putting the mm. monk feeding the monkeys, <laughs> and then the damn deer gets you. I mean, I mean, if that dude just threw that dude over the fence with the bear, where's I mean, Jack when you need him? Yeah, right. <laughs> So, um, unfortunately, besides that, we don't have a lot of information about when the zoo actually closed down. It was pretty close um, after the uh, William it? died, it sounds like. It didn't give yeah. an exact date, but it pretty well put an end to it, it seems like. Yeah, you didn't really hear anything more about the zoo after that. So, unfortunately, uh, the zoo was short-lived, only maybe about four or five years total that it was around. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, so, we move on. Some other things that happened around that time frame. Uh, I'm sure you came across this one, uh, Travis, in your research, but September of 1910, the Siege of Jericho. Uh, there was a whole like week and a half worth of these plays that were taking part at Highland Park and each night they were getting set up by fireworks. One night was canceled because uh, it was rained so hard, it was so muddy that the, the actors couldn't get to where they needed to go um, and then, then there was this night which I'm assuming it was close to the end but I never really saw a specific date and this is coming from Carl Landrum but uh, the Seeds Jericho, what happened was was that there's supposed to be fireworks at the end of every night. Well this one uh, this one night uh, the fireworks were set off before they were supposed to and instead of just being a one or two it was the whole fireworks display in one shot <laughs> do, you, do, you th- do you think the people there were like wow this is gonna be good wow, and like that's the best grand finale i've ever seen one can you imagine what the rest of the ones are gonna <laughs> yeah. be? <laughs> like wow they're starting out really strong there was just a guy holding a sparkler like i'm sorry guys <laughs> Yeah. We screwed up yeah. bad this time. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. My bad. My bad. Go pet, uh, go no. pet the monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's why the monkeys were running around. Boy, can um, you imagine? No wonder those monkeys were on edge, man. You got fireworks <sighs> going up like yeah. crazy. It's crazy. Oh, and then there, Pedro also the, story. the bear is just sitting there, you know, like wondering what's going on. Yeah. The story we'll tell you about on Patreon has to do with like kids like bugging the bear like bugging not the bears but the monkeys oh, and like he, it turned them become an aggressive at them is like cra- it's craziness yeah like good. me 1900 zoo what do you expect right um so yeah so that happened uh kind of a, a master fireworks display if you will uh back in 1910 we keep moving on here 1912 harry hoffer who's a baseball player and a treasurer for the empire theater was the manager of the park yeah. at this time and uh at this point in time uh they decide it's time to do some upgrading Ooh, they're bringing so, the good stuff chris yeah they bring what they got so they're gonna bring in a scenic railway a roller coaster you, remember, you know what it was called what no is it called the camel's back 
was Ooh. the name. Because you got, look at the camel's bag, you got the whoop, whoop. Yeah, yeah right yeah. there. That's where it's at. Cool. Uh, and then also a swimming pool. Oh, by the way, the roller coaster was approximately $10,000, which I would assume would probably be. That's an investment right, back then. Like $100,000, $200,000 uh, in today's money. Uh, but uh, yeah, so the also- size, too, if I remember from what I heard. I didn't get any stats, hmm. but I think it was. Pretty impressive for being Quincy at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, also, this the swimming pool is going to be installed on the south side of the stone building, which we'll come back to here in a little bit because it's got a kind of a nice little kickback to it later on uh, in uh, the years. And uh, unfortunately, though, speaking of that pool, uh, during the construction, <laughs> one of the pool sides collapsed one morning, but luckily no one was hurt uh, in the swimming pool. That's got to make you a little uneasy, right? If you're like, yeah. well, the wall yeah. fell over. <laughs> To the swimming pool. Um, yeah. Did we mention that uh, in nineteen between 1912 and 1950 when they were doing the upgrades, they added a carousel as well, a merry-go-round. Oh, no, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, something else that's kind of cool, and I'm sure if you're, a, uh, if you're into automobiles, you might appreciate this in the Quincy area. But in 1912, the first ever auto show took place in Quincy at the park. So that's kind of neat. Um, so the first ever you know, car cruising, cruising car show. <laughs> I don't know what it was called, but, um, so they had an auto show that was kind of neat. So, yeah, there's uh, actually some cool pictures in the archives of Pedro the bear actually driving one. Oh, that's, nice. that's not true, but nice. that would have been something. No, you made that up. Okay. See if um, I get AI to good. generate that. Yeah. Can you imagine a bear <laughs> driving a car? Chimpanzee riding on a Segway. Uh, <laughs> So we moved to the 1920s, and I refer to this one as the decade of the orchestras because this is when music really gets going. The swing in 20s, I think, is what it's called, right? Oh, yeah, the flapping. Uh, All the flappers out there. Exactly. The Gatsby time period, yeah. Uh, Joe Sanders and the Carlton Coon Nighthawks were there. Ross Gorman Orchestra. Isham. Isham? 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 Isham. Isham. Damn near killed him. <laughs> Jones. Uh, also, I thought this was kind of interesting. In 1925, the American Legion Convention was held in Quincy at Highland Park. So that was kind of neat. Yeah. Um, so that happened. And then we go to 1926. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, Sad days. Yeah. So uh, Walter Snapper. What a name. White managed the park for a short, uh, short while before it was leased by the O'Toole and Henry Brinning. I think it's Brinning. Uh, of Terre Haute, Indiana. Uh, Brandon was the manager of the park until 1926. So it was responsible for completing amusement rides, including the swimming pool, roller coaster, and other amusement rides. He also put up a, which I don't know what this is. I meant to look it up. Maybe you can do a quick search. The Vaudeville Stage, V-A-U. Oh, Vaudeville. 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 Do you know what that Vaudeville. is? Vaudeville was like early kind of touring theater. It was like kind of theater acts back, and it was it was uh, like kind of minstrel shows. and Okay. Pretty dicey stuff. We're talking like oh. blackface. I mean, real, oh. real. Mm. Yeah, yeah, not great. Yeah. Not great. Didn't yeah. hold up to history. They, uh, this, the, the uh, Henry also did an iron fence around the grounds, and unfortunately, and this is what Travis was mentioning, was that uh, they filed for bankruptcy in 1926. Now, do you think they just went too hard on in the paint, so to speak, when it came to all the rides and all the additional? merry-go-round and the roller coaster because you had it was like 1912-1915 they were getting all that stuff put put in there they had a pretty good run but maybe it wasn't sustainable over time it almost seems like maybe maintenance of all that 
the cost. Yeah, of I mean, you could, up. you could, I could see that as a possibility. You know, the the thing that I always think of when it comes to these things is is when you talk about fads and trends, and everything's going good, and you could just, it could be just bad management, or it could be yeah. just the trend of the time was, uh, you know, going away from that. Well, he, I think he, he wasn't a Quincy guy at the end. He was from Terra, no, right. Right, I wonder right. if there was any kind of uh, he didn't have that Quincy loyalty, and there was like, oh, that guy's an outsider, and I don't know. Mm, Who maybe. knows? No, we obviously weren't there, but uh, you know, I'd be curious to hear if anybody, you know, any any old timers around have any memories or hear stories about kind of how things went south. But I don't know. But I think, uh, really, in all honesty, it ended up being for the best uh, because, well, let me get to that in a second. But the Quincy Park District actually discussed potentially purchasing the area yeah. and turning it into a park district or a park. It was, yeah, um, it was actually yeah. be- before it was the Quincy park district. It was the Quincy Boulevard and parks association at that time that became the park district. But yeah, they had their eye on that pool, didn't they? Yeah. And then they decided it wasn't in their best interest, but what ended up happening was, <laughs> well, well a- the wall fell over once. So that's, <laughs> it's going to be hard. So started out questionable. Uh, but, uh, so it ended up being good though, because in 1929, a guy by the name of Robert Christ ended up taking over operations at the stone pavilion. He renamed it the casino or casino. Uh, the reason that name came from, by the way, is actually, uh, named after a, uh, night spot in Chicago that also has that same name yeah, as, as the like casino. A, like a, so like a dance hall place. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, Bob Christ takes us into the 1930s, and he does so in big fashion. Listen to some of these names. Uh, these were some of the big band names coming in during the 1930s. You had Lawrence Welk, you had Perry Como, Guy Lombardo, Lombardo uh, Tommy Dorsey, Stan Kenton, Duke Ellington. All these big names coming into Quincy and uh, bringing their orchestra with them. So, some big names. Uh, Travis, any, any ring a bell in your your world? Oh, yeah. I mean, most of those names are pretty, I mean, staples of, of yeah. that time period. Yeah. Yeah. Boxing was also a thing that got started in the 30s. There was a boxing match between a guy named Kid Leonard and Lou Thomas in 1935. And then there was one night in 1940 where eight boxers battled at Highland Park Casino in one night. So quite the wow. uh, bout yeah. that night in uh, the 19, uh, 1940s. So, uh before we go into World War II era, Travis, is there anything I'm missing in the 30s or uh, 20s on your end? I wanted to throw in one of the crazy acts from, I think, probably before the, the Highland Park became more the casino. And mm-hmm. I, I'd never heard of this. There was a character named Van Norman. He, The way that uh, Carl Landon referred to him, he may have been quite a touring character that time period. But one of the, his like act was to do a high dive from a spiral tower. Here's the catch. He was on a bicycle while he did it. Oh, jeez. So it's just like, I've heard of high dives, but I've never heard of a high dive on a bicycle from a spiral tower. So I think that that's... Uh, Kudos. I, I think the more you, 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 you probably added a little bit at a time to that. I mean, if he could have been, <laughs> if it would have been a tandem bicycle with Pedro the Bear on there, that yeah. would have really doubled the audience, I bet. I feel so. like we have a picture of that somewhere, of a bear riding a unicycle on a oh. tightrope. Yeah, um, we use that for a Patreon episode. They, they like probably do that in Russia all the time. They're <laughs> yeah. doing wild things in Russia. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so we go into the 1940s, uh, World War II era time, and of course, uh, Bob Christ taking over operations. And one of the things that he did was uh, he uh, created a new room called the Blue Room. It uh, was uh, kind of an interesting little uh, tidbit of information. Uh, the Blue Room. I think I have it down here later on. Um, 
yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, it was a room that was kind of just a room for, uh, and I don't know if you have more information, but they had bands in there. Yeah, Yeah, uh, such as Larry Funk, Cappy Leonard, and Jimmy Ellen were uh, in the uh, blue room. So I believe the blue room was in the basement. So you had, uh, I believe, I don't remember the specifics, but you had the blue room in the basement. I think you might have had the dance floor in the basement at that point in time. And And then the bowling alleys, there was actually bowling lanes in there, I believe, at that time as well. Don't quote me on that, though, because I know after 1947 there is. There but. was so much going on in yeah. that building. And, it, yeah, I'd be curious to see kind of where things were versus where things are today. And I, yeah. and I do want to make the point that I think there was a transition. I think Travis kind of prefaced this already. There was the transition from this becoming a park to becoming a building. So I don't know if in that transition of purchasing when Robert Christ purchased the property, if he just purchased the pavilion, and that is the time frame when you started losing all the other stuff I, outside. Yeah, I bet they started. Started kind of with bankruptcy. I bet the banks came in. They started subsidizing all the other yeah. areas, and that yeah. large swath of land that what twelve ten acres was yeah. whittled away to what we know today. It seems like yeah. So so that nineteen twenty nine time frame is where you're going to start seeing we and we're starting to talk about already where you make a switch from talking about the park and hole to talking about events going on at the pavilion only. Okay, uh, so yeah, so that was going on during World War Two. I, I kind of wondered if there was something I. I feel like I may be making this up. I think this is more of a 60s thing because of, you know, Cold War stuff. But, you know, I know for a while they would not want any lights turned on at night. So then, like, planes couldn't see certain. So I don't know if the blue room in the basement was part of that to help so they could still have activities going on Hmm. and not be doing lights. I'm I'm speculating on that. Yeah, it'd be interesting what everybody knows. But yeah, it would definitely be, people that know more than we do. So let us. know. That was my first thought when I when I read that was like, oh, I wonder if they did that because of that. I know they did that in Hawaii after Pearl Harbor, but I don't know if that was you know also just a general kind of rule across the country in that time frame. That would actually be an interesting pathway to go down. We need to go down a World War II path with uh, Quincy. Yeah, you're right. Uh, in the future, yeah. uh, 1947 though was not a good time. Uh, you have your ups and downs, and this is another one of the downs. And this is an interesting one, too. Uh, We'll talk. We'll get into a little depth about this. But uh, on October 4th of 1947, a fire broke out in uh, the the casino. It was started around, they believe, around 4 a.m. in the morning. It was not good because everything was destroyed. The only thing that remained was the walls and two chimneys. Um, It was a complete disaster. Lots of a lot. uh, Tons of loss of money. it was not a bad, uh, not a good situation, uh, but uh, there's questions of, of nobody really knows how this happened. Uh, this was mm. part of when um, they were getting ready to make some major renovations in the property, uh, including making kind of switching things around. This is when they, I believe they had the the ballroom downstairs. They were going to move the ballroom upstairs. They were going to put casino lanes down in the basement. Uh, they were going to kind of make, or sorry, the bowling lanes down in the basement. This was making all these big changes. And all of a sudden, 4 a.m. one morning, the the whole building just burns to the ground. And and even says in the newspapers that they're not sure they'll never know what the cause or who did it or what happened. There's some speculation that it might be arson. You think it was an insurance money grab? No, I don't think it was. I, I you know my my first initial thought when I was reading into this was that maybe there was a question of somebody 
you're in this situation. It's the 40s. Yeah, there was a lot of crazy stuff going on in town. We talked you about You know, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Without saying what I want to say, I think you kind of understand what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, We're reading between the lines here. Yeah, so there's there, you, you just don't know the situation, what was going on. But again, for and it started, they were believing that it pretty much started in the middle of the building the fire did that's what their thoughts were so to have that happen is like oh okay really did it just you yeah know? i mean and it, you know maybe it wasn't nefarious at all you know it's obviously yeah, in that sure. time period you look at the electrical systems and stuff and very easy it was raining that night yeah. so i mean who knows may have been uh, perfectly innocent i did find it was kind of interesting came across another article that said one fireman quit another one was suspended after this fire the fire chief announced the suspension of one of the firemen and the resignation of another joe Trimp was suspended for listen to this unbecoming conduct at the casino fire last saturday and has been succeeded by william fed so he got suspended for unbecoming conduct i'm really mean? curious what that means <laughs> <laughs> any any firefighters or anybody who knows about I don't know what that would uh, the resignation be? yeah the resignation of the other one was not due to something that happened it was actually due to the gentleman took a position at CIPS so okay. uh, yeah. it was not, not it wasn't any notorious yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah kind of weird the, the yeah that's guy was suspended strange. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so there was some speculation if it was ever going to open back up again. Uh, there was stories that said, well, maybe we won't. Maybe we're just going to sell it off. And, and, you know, there's some offers to purchase the land and turn it into houses and all that stuff. Well, by April 1949, the decision was already made because a new casino opened up. And uh, this one had a bowling alley on the lower floor and a ballroom on the main floor. The cost of the new building was $149,000. This is in 1949 money. I did go to the inflation calculator on this one, and the cost of it in today's dollars was $1.9 million. Wow. So it is a large, large building, a very... High level building, and that so, was uh, was was Bob Bob Christ still that was his still Bob his still in charge okay. of everything. Yep, absolutely. So he was the one that got it rebuilt and got it going again, and uh, had pretty much you know if you were there uh, or you've been there, it's pretty much that's that's, that's how it was built know, with him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so we go into the nineteen fifties, nineteen fifty two. Lawrence Welk returned to Quincy. He brought his orchestra with him. He actually did a national broadcast from Starlight Casino no that kidding. night. So he, the Lawrence Welk show, was actually at Starlight Casino that night. Uh, also, uh, Christ closed the Blue Room in July of that year. He decided to add twelve more bowling alleys to the main level. The bowling lanes, so, yeah. Yeah, more bowling lanes. Uh, 1966, kind of jumping along here now. Another huge renovation took place. The building reopened as uh, its new name, the Starlight Terrace Ballroom. Okay, yeah. And I think this goes into part of the reason why, like, and I even said this before we started, is like, is it Casino Starlight? Is it Starlight Terrace? Is it Starlight Casino? It's had lots of names. So it's been known as the Casino. Now it's known as the Starlight Terrace Ballroom. It's known as Casino Lanes. It just has a ton of names to it. And that's made it really tough when you're trying to research it, by the way. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, so they have the Starlight Terrace Ballroom on the main floor. The ballroom has seating. This is 1966 for 700 people. And they also used 5,000 tiny lights for decoration. The bandstand could accommodate 18-piece orchestra sets. Do you think and that's, that was the, the reasoning for calling the Starlight was all the little little accent lights maybe? Maybe. maybe. I don't know yeah, if I've ever seen sense. a lot of – you know, I think I have seen a few pictures – it seems to me that one of our listeners might have messaged us some pictures a long time ago before we were thinking about this. Yeah. 
But uh, it's interesting, Chris. I'll have to dig around in the archives a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. 5,000 Tiny Lights is a lot for 1966. That's for sure. And then uh, a 200-seat piano bar called the 13th Frame was added as oh, well. that's a good name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, that in uh, 1980, it was closed down. Now, the, um, the 50s, is that when he decided, like, 50s, 40s, when he decided to add the 12 different lanes? Uh, that would have been in 1952. Yeah, that seems like the boom in bowling. Mm-hmm. It seems like everybody was right. bowling was a craze. So you go where yeah. the money's at, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's a so you do do what's what's popular. Uh, 1985. We're gonna go burn through the rest of these pretty quick here. So uh, 1985, after 56 years of running the operation, Robert Christ decided to go ahead and retire and handed over the operations to Tom Ketchum of Springfield and Quincy and Jerry Kilts. Uh, by November 18th of 1985, the operation was turned over to the hands of the new uh, operators. But uh, 56 years, Bob Christ ended up running. Boy, legacy, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I don't know if they do still or not, but back in the day, they had the Bob Christ Memorial uh, Tournament for oh, bowling. Right, right, right. Boy, I um, bet he had so, some stories over that, yeah, that length of yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot of times Bob is mentioned uh, being, you know, generous in his givings and, and a lot of good background. He was given some awards once he retired. I mean, he had he was a real, like, real well-known Quincy right. for sure. Uh, and and I, uh, truly, that tradition and torch was passed on, and, and it was kind of interesting looking, um, searching under the new ownership of Tom Ketchum. He had a lot of mentions of, oh, you know, we want to thank Tom and for letting us, uh, letting us uh, rents, uh, not even rents. Uh, they don't donated the ball for certain events and stuff like that. So Tom was thanked a lot for that and received a lot of awards too. So he kind of held on that tradition that That's cool. that Robert continued on with or had. Yeah. So and we it might have been was it Chris it might have been Chris, Bob Christ. Um, I don't Christ. know. Yeah, forgive us. Okay. Forgive yeah. us if it's we're C H R I S T, so it yeah. could be Christ. Yeah, that would someone make will sense let too. us know. I'm sure, but yeah, apologies if we've misspoken at all. If uh, you know, you know, if if. I, we're not good with names. We've known that since episode <laughs> one, season one, uh, when it comes to we, names. We won't name that name, yeah. yeah what, I, I couldn't even tell you what it was anymore. Uh, 1986, let's go through uh, the rest of the 80s. Uh, one of the things that Tom really wanted to get back to was the bands, because uh, they kind of faded away over the last 20 years uh, with the 60s and 70s. So he got back. He was really wanting to bring some groups in. He brought in the Ozark Mountain Daredevils in 1986. Uh, they, he also brought in Bachman Turner Overdrive. Yeah, but now we're talking. I did get a little bit of a kick out of this. Uh, Brent Engel, who was a writer for the Herald Wake at this time, he actually had was I, he had a, a saying in this uh, article about it. Said uh, that uh, Bachman Turner Overdrive received the kind of reception found at a family reunion than a rock concert. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means. Yeah. So it was it was a little mellow reception, mellow. evidently, okay. Okay. for Bachman Turner Overdrive. They uh, performed to over 800 people that night, though, at uh, Starlight Casino. Then in 18, 1987, a favorite band of mine, Cheap Trick, rocked the uh, Starlight as well in February of 87. Did a little bit better. Some better reviews uh, from them, more so than Bachman Turner Overdrive. Uh, we get into the 1990s, and this is where it gets a little little bit of an issue um, and that has to do with taxes uh, February 1990 uh, at 9am on February 27th of that year Quincy police along with agents from the IRS performed an asset seizure on the property uh, which is now under the ownership of J and I believe it's J and K Casino Enterprises uh, which is part of Tom Ketchum's uh, 
a company. The IRS seized thirty-eight thousand from a safe, satisfying the federal back taxes, and uh, they were owed, that were owed by the business. So they reopened up, not a big issue. In nineteen ninety-five, unfortunately, though, it happened again in March of 29th of that year. The IRS seized and closed the casino Startlight for failure to pay federal tax liabilities. They said, according to the IRS, that the liabilities were in the range of fifty-five thousand nine hundred ninety-one dollars. Uh, story that was in the Quincy Herald Wig in nineteen ninety-five was talking about the bull. Uh, had to actually come by the casino lanes to pick up their equipment. And they were like, it was like 3.30 to 4.30 on Wednesday. You can come by and get your, claim your equipment. Uh, but however, just a few days later, the building opened back up. Tom Ketchum's actually quoted as saying, we hit a momentary financial bump in the road, but we're back in business as usual, just as we have been for the past nine and a half years. Well, that's so, resilient. Yeah, definitely yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. And that's where I get to with what I was mentioning earlier with, you know, we talked about uh, where they had issues and filed for bankruptcy. Again, it could be just the trend of the time. I think you have a popular venue and then all of a sudden it's not popular anymore, right? Or something new is happening. Yeah, exactly. So so you struggle in those times. And and I think that's kind of the situation that was going on here too. A couple of last things before we wrap things up. 2001, there was a couple of civil lawsuits filed for some uh, beatings that took place at June 4th uh, at the casino lanes. What Uh, what time frame is this? 2001. Now, was this... Well, this was in the time of where they had the fight nights, wasn't it? Oh, you're probably right. Because yeah. I remember that in high, yeah. like right kind of post high there. school, yep. they would have the fights and like amateur hour, yeah. basically. And I know quite a few people that have participated. And oh, yeah, yeah, things got that. pretty dicey like in the yeah. parking lots, and yeah, things spilled over. It sounds like yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, I totally forgot about times, that. times, yeah, yeah. Uh, 2002. So the next year, uh, you remember we talked about the the swimming pool? Yes. So while tearing up the parking lot to do repaving, the crews in 2002 that was tearing up the parking lot actually rediscovered the swimming pool. That's great. Uh, Ketchum said that the water park was to, was in existence till 1920. Yeah, had a water was, slide. It was if you're looking boats. at the yeah. casino, it was to the south of it. It was where the swimming pool yes. was. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah, so the paddle boats and Olympic sized pool was um, was part of the thing back in the 1920s. And yeah, like you just said, the picture showed the pool was directly south of the building, which was kind of neat. Uh, finally, the last little piece of information before we get to current times: 2009, there was some. Uh, property owners around the casino that were complaining about activities going on. There was a mention about like a guy found a crack pipe outside at one point in time. Mm-hmm. And, and there was a lot of fighting going on, a lot of noise. So the city council heard about that. Uh, nothing was really, um, nothing was really done because casino said they were, you know, they were, upping their security and but there was nothing the casino was doing illegal uh, or wrong uh and uh in 2009 by the way because the casino was one of seven licensed nightclubs in the city of quincy and again you're getting in that mode where you know times change people change who's going and what's happening and you're having situations happen and with that, we don't really know after that. Uh, what we can tell you and is that, uh, of course, the casino lane's still open. Very popular place to go and yeah. bowl. And, uh, but there hasn't been much activity in the last few years with uh, the Starlight Terrace Ballroom. No, it's been real quiet. Um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be cool to get some more action down there. But obviously, there's a lot of variables at play, I'm sure, especially in a post-COVID world. Um, 
Chris, do you have any more on that? Because I I missed a fun one. Yeah, interesting sure. No, thing. that is all I got. If we want to jump back in the time machine, sure. put it in reverse a little bit here. In 1921, so kind of in the end of the heyday for there, um, you know, what, what struck that for me is when you talked about some of the nefarious activities, like finding a crack pipe and just some mm-hmm. vices and whatnot, maybe some fighting. It wasn't all sunshine and rainbows back in the Highland Park days. Uh, before it got renamed, because in 1921, there was a report of two underage girls who were creating quite this. I mean, they were 15 and 16. They were creating quite a scene in Highland Park. They were swimming late at night with men, oh, yeah. uh, uh, prancing around in negligees. In the, I mean, these are 15 and 16 year olds, Chris. Yeah. And I mean, that that was probably just scratching the surface of the unsavory acts of uh, morality going on there. But they weren't isolated incidents. Apparently, there was just they were on a tear out there. They definitely caught the eye of the law, and they kind of put them in their place. But boy, that 1920s, you think Great Gatsby, you think the flapper mentality of of, of like kind of the the feminine movement kind of happening then. And uh, these these two young girls were definitely uh, embracing the wild side back then. So not not something you want to stumble across uh, from a family atmosphere there. So. Yeah, and we get to uh, our Patreon. We got some others uh, stories like that. There was I came another across another story about some assault and battery that took oh, place yeah. in yes. there. And so yeah, there's 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 the, the pretty side and the not so pretty side of Highland Park back in the day. And so we'll dig into that when we get uh, to that. But hey, uh, before we wrap up, if you have anything to add, yes. anything we missed, uh, we mispronounced a name potentially. Let us know about that uh, and give us some more details because we're always curious about what else we can uh, find out about these things we'll pass along if we hear anything but uh that is a look at uh what do you want to call it starlight terrace uh casino whatever it is highland park that's a look at all those (laughs) we'll have more after this on wild Company presents lovely Irene Rich in Dear John. Marge, I'm glad it's you who's on a reducing diet. I'd sure hate to do without all those tempting foods. Oh, it isn't so hard. Remember, I'm following the easy Welch way. Yes, the Welch way certainly does make reducing easier. No strict diet lists, no strenuous exercises, no drugs. And yet, the Welch way really works. Actually, intelligent, cooperative people who faithfully followed Dr. Frederick Damro's instructions lost an average of seven pounds a month. Seven pounds. Amazing results, sworn to before a notary public. And listen how easy it is to lose weight this proved way. Just mix three-quarters glass of Welch's grape juice with one-quarter glass water and drink before meals and at bedtime. This remarkable action follows. First, you have less desire to eat sweet, fattening foods, thus cutting down caloric intake. Second, the natural dextrose in Welch's grape juice is quickly consumed, and by this process actually helps nature consume excess fat. No drugs, no strenuous exercises, and you needn't suffer a hungry moment. So... Right now, when lightweight summer clothes make your extra weight more noticeable, why not start the easy, thrilling Welch way of reducing? Start tomorrow. 
Well, it's a new season and it's a new retro ad. And as you can tell, this is the Wayback Machine. Uh, I don't even know, Travis. What are we thinking? Like 50s here? It's got to be 40s, maybe. Oh, heck, it might be 30s. You could go back to the <laughs> 20s almost, I think. Yeah. yeah it, this is early days of radio dramas. And you just don't see 149 on commercials anymore these days. That's quite, no. a, quite, a, quite a spell. What do you think about that? Grape juice, huh? Grape juice. Well, and actually, I was uh, the reason I said 1930s because this was actually as of 1935 when this came okay, out. Okay, sure. So uh, back in the day, but uh, yeah, this uh, Irene Rich was the lady that you heard. And, uh, evidently, you can keep a good uh, figure by just drinking some Welsh's grape juice. So, do you think the FDA would approve that? That, that ad oh, today? absolutely, Chris. I see no <laughs> problems with that. Uh, yeah, exactly. I see no problems with potentially crapping yourself from that much grape juice, <laughs> or the fact that it's loaded with sugar. I don't see how that yeah. would ever be an issue. So, so, so the according to this, um, what happened was that. It wasn't just drinking only the grape juice. It was that it was you were required to drink a glass of grape juice before eating a meal and before going. Is to that bed. To like help with digestion, probably? And stuff? I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Makes, I mean, so, I can see where their heads at. It's supposed to thwart cravings of food between meals. So uh, I don't know if you can get away with having a drink, say, that's, that's going to make you lose weight. You could say anything um, then, though. I you mean, can't. Well, you, you could definitely in the 1930s. But, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, anyway. I heard it lets you have the strength to wrestle a bear, too. But I could be wrong. Yeah. Yeah, the show that that was on because you'll see that a lot of times these commercials were built into radio programs, so they were part of the show itself. And we'll have some of those coming up later this season. But uh, Irene Rich Dramas was the series that it was called, and uh, so it's Welsh's reducing plan. So there you go. You ever listen to those old radio dramas, Chris? You ever? Oh in? yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I get a kick out of those. Well. I did a deep dive maybe 10, 15 years ago. There's so much out there. It's 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 fun. Yeah, uh, so we'll have more of those. Like I said, uh, we're kind of changing things up. It's hard to find local Quincy ads anymore. We're always looking for them. So if you have some, send them our way. Uh, we'll even uh, we'll even transfer them to digital if we need to. Just uh, let us know if you got any. But uh, this season, we're going to dig way back in the retro archives and give you some of these crazy, crazy uh, commercials from back in the day. Uh, you know what? I think it's been a long time. I think it's time for the Golden Pipes. Bring those pipes on, Chris. And now, it's time for Words of Wisdom from Adams County. Thank you, Bo. Welcome back, buddy. Uh, It's time for the wits, the wisdom, the know-how from our forefathers and foremothers of Adams County. Man, I've been missing it. It's It's like going home. (laughs) <laughs> I've been just blindly wandering through life without any of the wit, the witticisms, the wisdom, and I, I'm ready exactly. to just drink it all in like a tall glass of Welch's grape juice. First, let me start by saying, holy jumping. La- uh, this past week, I s- asked you guys to give me some numbers, and boy, did you respond. You guys bring it every time we ask. You do. Yeah. It blows my mind. And then I actually put a little extra in there and said, pro tip. Choose high numbers, and holy cow, you guys did. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Way to go, peeps. Way to go. 
a wealth of information to choose from. It's gonna be an exciting season because you guys show some amazing numbers. And I'm actually gonna go pretty high up on the list here. Kimberly Kaltenbach Hufford, I believe is the name. She chose the number 10,845. She put a smiley face next to it, so I don't know if that number has significance or if she was just happy to give us a number. Uh, either way, we got it. Uh, we'll tell about uh, another one. Julie Terstrup had an interesting number we'll tell you about <laughs> a couple episodes. Um, but uh, her number was pretty interesting. I thought this was going to be a good kickoff because if you get back into the back of the book as I'm opening it up, talking to you here, you get into a section that is poems and uh, little like uh, rhyming things. Okay. And sure enough, uh, this one is a rhymer. Uh, it's by uh, Cherry. It says it's by Cherry. So it's a, a little rhyme here. Are you ready to go? Oh, yeah. Okay, here we go. As I went through the garden gap, whom should I meet but Dick Redcap? A stick in his hand and a stone in his throat. If you tell me this riddle, I'll give you a goat. Words of wisdom from Adams County. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that was so Who funny. Who doesn't want to go? <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's the gift that keeps on giving, really. I need to do some searching to know who Dick Redcap is because I'm sure there's a background story behind that. You know, I'm not so sure. I think <laughs> you're not. It's just I'm not so sure there is. <laughs> I, I think it's like maybe a slow day in Henry High. It's just like uh, oh, I need something. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you, Kimberly. That was a great choice for our number. So uh, if you still want to get your number put in, go to our Facebook page. Uh, you can find that uh, that post and add your number to the list. Travis, before we get wrapped up on this supersized episode, uh, I know there's a couple things we got to hit up on. And one of them was that uh, we mentioned our new Patreon people, but we forgot that we got an amazing donation just recently. Chris, it's not that we forget. It's that we like to save the best for last. Ah, there it is. Um, no, Dwight, <laughs> Dwight uh, Hedgecock. Uh, he emailed the show. He was doing some history uh, research into the history, which is a famous name in Quincy, the Moncton family. You see, he is Charlie Moncton's great grandson. And he came across the episode we did on Leo Moncton. And uh, he said that his mom is still living and has a lot of memories of Leo and the house on Locust Street. Uh, says, I'm sure you'll be interested in her version. I guess he mentions Jimmy Ray. That's right, James Earl Ray, as being the meanest little boy she knew. So huh. I might have some stories there. I've, I've actually uh, replied to Dwight, seeing if maybe we could talk to his, his mom. Sounds like she's still pretty sharp. It was interesting to find out that, uh, I'm skimming through this email here real fast, uh, talked about, Talked about the Monktons. He did an ancestry DNA uh, test not too long ago, and if you'll remember from the the podcast on Leo Moncton, we all we we said Irish, you know, definitely Irish. Mm -hmm. Turns out not Irish. <laughs> from huh. so uh, so yeah, I, I don't know what it was, but but ancestry .com had a little correction to history there, and uh, you know, but that's the thing. Back then, you you go on what you're told on, so I don't think there was any. Yep. Uh, nefarious reason from being I saying you're Irish but uh, who knows so, oh, I mean it could be a, it could be a thing I mean you could be saying well you don't want to mess me with well me. that's I, true it could have been a, yeah, a social positioning kind of situation yeah. but uh, you know Dwight was super kind and he actually donated through our you PayPal did, mm -hmm. you didn't mention what are they then 
I, I that they did not say. Did not oh, say. Okay. Let's, okay. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe he'll let us know, but maybe it'll just remain a great mystery. There we go. Moncton, Moncton. What's it sound like? It should be Moncton. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. But anyways, yeah. uh, Dwight mentioned he was making. He made a, a nice donation. Um, very generous donation to our uh, PayPal page. Would if you're in the you're in the maybe of the idea of donating to Wild Quincy. You're not interested in doing the Patreon thing. Want to do a more traditional donation? You can find a donate link at wildquincy.com in the navigation and we appreciate uh, any consideration and monetary compensation you throw our way and uh, thanks so much Dwight appreciate that email yeah. absolutely we love getting those it was kind of funny because we got this amazing email and then uh, a few minutes later we get this um, amazing donation we're like wow that, that was really nice yeah, I really we would have taken the information but yeah. uh, add a little extra on there so uh, thank you very much we appreciate that so uh, yeah we'll uh, have that uh, we'll give you more information about that hopefully maybe we'll have a, another Moncton recap coming up and give you some more info on that I, mean, I know we got more crime bosses of Quincy episodes coming up yeah we're not in the future yeah too. we'll see when that when that falls it may or may not be this season but uh, yeah there's definitely more in that arsenal so to speak yeah yeah, and we haven't done the James Earl Ray episode yep, either it's yet. It's coming so down the pipe too in the future. On there, yeah. So before we wrap things up, we have to finish up with uh, everybody's favorite question of the day. I know, Travis, you've been scratching your head. You've been thinking about it intently. You want to start this season off on the right foot, and I think you might know the answer. But let me give you the question one more time. All right, don't don't sigh on me. You got it, buddy. I trust you. Uh, in 1839, the mayor of Quincy sworn in the first person ever to be in charge of the police department. What was their title? Was it chief, commissioner, or constable? Travis, what's your thoughts? <laughs> here's where I, here's where I go and talk <laughs> through what I'm thinking. Okay, and it usually means I'm way overthinking it. I feel like if it was just Chief, it wouldn't be notable. It wouldn't be notable enough to even reference it, since that's what people are still called. Okay. Constable seems very, like, UK, very English, um, which I don't know. I mean, back in... Did, would you, what year did you say this was? Did you? Uh, 1839. I mean, there was still a lot of adoption of those kind of things. And Commissioner is the other one, right? I mean, commissioners definitely utilized. You think Commissioner <laughs> Gordon and Batman, right? And yeah, right. I mean, it makes sense. But maybe you're just screwing with me. <laughs> and maybe it's just Chief. I think you're overthinking now. I, I absolutely am. I'm under. I'm. I'm way beyond overthinking. Okay. Um. You know, I'm gonna go with the one that starts with C, Chris. <laughs> okay, that's not gonna work. Give me some more specific. <laughs> I'm going with Chief. Chief. Yeah. Final answer. Travis, you are going to start off the season with a loss. Gosh, dang it. Yeah. What was it? The uh, In 1839, the mayor sworn in the first ever constable. Constable. Boy, I was thinking about that one. Yeah. Jacob Gruel was constable and collector for the town of Quincy. Okay. So there you go. Well, not only was he a constable, he was the collector as well. I'm behind the eight uh, ball. Well, it's not a great way to start yeah, things. But oh for one. Well, I'll look for a. I'll look for a comeback. How about that? Well, hopefully you get a comeback on the next episode because in the next episode we're super excited uh, talking about police departments. We're going to be talking with none other than the chief of police and uh, Travis. You know the guy. You want to tell me who it is? Absolutely. Everybody knows Chief Adam Yates. 
uh, Adam has is, is been a fixture in Quincy since day one. He grew up here. Um, heck of a musician as well. That's actually how I came yeah. to know Adam is from jam sessions down with Rodney at Second String back in the day. And uh, Adam's a great guy and doing uh, doing uh, some great work down with the QPD. We're going to have him on next week to talk about kind of the state of crime in Quincy. We've talked a lot about crime's history in Quincy, and we're curious to find out what the modern landscape looks like, what does the future of crime fighting, what kind of things are being done. It'll be interesting to compare and contrast on a high level crime now versus then and maybe what the future holds. So we're looking forward to talking to Chief Adam Yates on the next episode. Yeah, it'll be an exciting time. We get to maybe learn about him as well, so it'll be fun to uh, to meet with it's him. It's funny because I, I knew Adam before he was chief, and so it's it's weird to how I address him now because <laughs> I feel like I should say chief, like, hi, chief, and it's the only person I know who I can say hi, chief, not ironically, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so maybe, it, can you still call him constable? Is that allowed anymore? Yeah, let's let's see if it'll play. I don't know. We'll, we'll, just, we'll just try that next time and see if he likes it. So I'll, let, I'll let you do it. <laughs> He'll take he'll take to it. Uh, yeah. So no, we're looking we'll forward have, to talking now. Yeah, and we'll have him coming up in the next episode. Coming up in two weeks. We've got Patreon coming up uh, next week, so check that out. You're but not, before if, we wrap, if you if you enjoyed our Bigfoot episode, you're gonna want to check out the Patreon episode. Yeah, yeah, it should be good. Well, before we wrap up, Travis, are we missing anything? What do I usually say here, Chris? No, <laughs> yes, maybe. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, yeah. yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. No, have a. Have a lovely day, you wonderful <laughs> Wow, you're really stretching. All right, well, you can tell it's the first episode of the season, so we'll let that one I need some grease on these wheels, Chris. I need some grease on these wheels. Uh, for Travis and I'm Chris Cutters. You've been listening to Wild Quincy. We'll catch you guys next time. Take care, everybody. Wild Quincy is released every other Tuesday and is produced by Chris Ketters and Travis Hoffman. Sound designed by Downdraft Sound and Editing and music by Travis Hoffman Music. I'm Bo Beecraft, and thanks for listening to Wild Quincy. Wild Quincy.